while we are heading into a new um, era of deer culture, the mission is obviously the same, um, which is to be a voice for the culture, but, but doing it authentically. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast for, by, and about the culture and conversations happening in and around the Black community and our culture. And we're going to have a real interesting conversation today. This is a, an episode that is about passing the baton, passing the torch, so to speak. Because if you notice, you're listening to Dear Culture in Panama Jackson. That's me. I am talking. It is not the voices that you are used to, the folks that you know. So for this changing of the guard, we decided to bring one of the hosts, Mr. Jaron Keith Gaynor, on to kind of help explain what the hell is about to happen here at Deer Culture. Uh, before I intro you, a man who needs no introduction, Jaron, how are you doing today, brother? I'm doing great. Uh, Panama, I mean, like, this is this is surreal uh, for us to be back at Deer Culture, but with a different host. Um, but I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I think that you are the perfect person to pass the baton to and uh, hosting this show that was really a, a labor of love for me and for Shauna and the other previous hosts of Dear Culture. So I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, and for one, I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. Uh, your vote of confidence makes it a little bit easier to take over such a, a significant and important part of what the Grio was doing. And... You know, there was a little there was a little hesitation, a little nerves there up front about being willing to take on something that had already been established, where there's already voices that are established there. Um, so before we get into that, I mean, tell, so what you know, I was going to intro you, but what are what are you doing? Tell what is your job here at the at the grill and why can't you do this anymore? Because you're so busy. <laughs> Break that down. Yes. Yeah, so I. Uh, I thought about this long and hard, and I really enjoyed doing Dear Culture every single week. Uh, but the reality is that it was really difficult for me to do a weekly podcast show and do what I'm doing now, which is I am uh, the managing editor of politics at uh, the GRIO, running our DC bureau here in Washington, DC. Um, I've been in and out of the White House covering the press briefing uh, at the Capitol, just covering all that's happening here in Washington as it relates to politics, uh, alongside uh, my colleague, the uh, illustrious history-making April Ryan, uh, the longest-serving Black woman uh, White House correspondent uh, in the history of correspondence. And the work that we're doing is very meaningful. And uh, as you know, Panama, there's a lot happening in our country and it's important that someone is there representing black America and asking those hard questions and exploring those really important stories. Um, uh, and I knew that I couldn't do both. You know, I'm, I'm doing interviews, I'm editing, I'm uh, a correspondent. And so I felt like this was the best decision for me. Uh, but it's a very exciting time because we are the only black owned uh, digital uh, news outlet in the press briefing room. We have a seat in the room, uh, as one would, might say, we have a seat at the table. And we wanna take every advantage of being at that table. Um, and it is um, something that I don't take lightly. And in, or in order for me to really do this and do this work well, I knew I had to step away. And I remember when you and I had the conversation about you um, taking the reins of Dear Culture, I was like, this is actually a 
perfect idea. It wasn't my idea initially, um, but I'm so happy that you uh, came to came to me um, and Shauna and asked for access for your blessing, which I thought was very uh, respectable and commendable um, because it's, it's important for the for Dear Culture podcast to um, continue on. Not only is this the flagship uh, podcast right. for the Griot Podcast Network, um, but it was um, it's what launched us into the podcast space, but also it was connected to so many um, beautiful memories. Um, a diff, uh, it was connected to also some very uh, not so positive memories because this launched during a pandemic um, right. where we saw uh, COVID disproportionately kill black and brown people. And we didn't really understand what COVID was and where the country was headed. Um, it happened during a time when black and brown people were being murdered by police and vigilantes. And, and so Dear Culture started out as like this kind of like this diary of the black experience during uh, one of the most transformative, heartbreaking years uh, in this country's history. Um, and, and then ushering into 2021 where we had the insurrection. And so right. I can, when I think about 2020, I think about my time on this show, you know, documenting how I felt about the many things that were happening in our society and, and, and all the interviews that we did talking to uh, mental health professionals um, and, uh, and political uh, commentators about what's happening in our world, what's happening in our culture. And so I think that you as someone who is um, in your own right, a luminary in the culture, uh, people, someone who people uh, want to hear from, um, I think that you are a perfect to continue the mission of what we used to call a love letter to black culture, because it's called Dear Culture for a reason. Right. We were actually very surprised that there was no other podcast uh, with the name Dear Culture. Me and too. so we were, we were, we, we looked really hard. We did a lot of research and we, there was no podcast with that name. And obviously it kind of plays on, you know, Dear White People, which we know was a very popular uh, book Absolutely. and then film and then series. And so it was kind of in the vein of that, of like uh, being um, very honest and, and truthful about the black experience, but rather than talking to white people, talking to each other. You know, it's interesting that, you know, the, the podcast is kind of viewed as like a, a, a letter to the culture because I plan on doing something similar, but I'm more this time as a, instead of a letter, I'm going to be asking the culture questions kind of thing, right? Like, you know, we're bringing these interesting conversations, which are going to vacillate from <laughs> the absurd, uh, but very rooted in like blackness and black cultural aesthetics and stuff like that. And sometimes it is going to be serious and, 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 but we're going to be asking these cultural questions. So I really appreciate that ideology of like, you know, a letter to the culture. And I think you all really did a good job of, of addressing cultural issues and talking to the people and talking to all of us about what's happening within the culture. What do you have like a first memory of when you guys first started your culture? Like, do you remember the first show that you all did? Uh, wow. That's a good question. I, 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 my first episode, I believe may have been, uh, it was me and Natasha Alford, who is our uh, uh, one of our vice presidents here at the Grio, uh, who's also our, one of our senior correspondents. And I remember we did an episode with Angela Yee, who is the co-host of uh, The Breakfast Club. And Angela is someone who really is a friend to the Grio. We've interviewed her 
countless times. And um, it was about her dual identity as a black woman, uh, but also a, a Asian American. And if people might not remember that during the height of the pandemic, Asian Americans were um, being harassed and attacked because we had a president uh, who was calling the COVID-19 the China virus. And she kind of lived in um, the, at the center of, the, of this virus because black people were most impacted by the virus and, and Asian Americans were being harassed and being blamed for the virus. And uh, we thought that she had a really interesting perspective being kind of at the center of that. Uh, but, but generally, I just remember uh, starting the podcast from my home. We know we had not intended for, for Dear Culture to be um, uh, to have been launched from our living rooms or our bedrooms or in, in some cases our closets. <laughs> uh, we had planned to build a studio in our New York offices. We had hired a consultant to help us build the infrastructure for the podcast. And then... Uh, then the shutdown happened and we decided, you know, we had all this extra time on our hands. We, we were, you know, obviously working and, you know, running the site of thegrio.com. But we said, why not just launch the podcast anyway? And um, it was, uh, there were some false starts. You know, we didn't really quite know the direction we wanted to take it. So initially it started out as all the full-time staff of the Grio kind of rotating host. So every week you would you would be introduced to me or Natasha or or a, so another or Courtney Wills, who was our entertainment director, who had now has her her own podcast. Um, and so, acting up, uh, please listen to acting up. Such a great show. She's so good at that. Um, and so the idea was to introduce the culture to um, the Grio staff. And then eventually uh, it had this other, th this new iteration, which was uh, two permanent hosts, uh, myself and Shauna. And it gave you a perspective from a black woman, uh, cisgender uh, and a black queer man. And, um, and we, we poured our hearts out um, on this show. And, and, and to my point about the launching it during the pandemic, we were able to kind of like use it as therapy to like kind of get through some really difficult right. times um, in the culture. And so, um, but my most memorable episode, I, there are so many, um, but if I had to choose... Uh, one, uh, it would be, uh, for me, it was always important to center the black LGBTQ plus community. And I believe that when we have a platform, we should use it wisely. And for Pride Month during 2020, I wanted to really center the lives of black queer people because during the Black Lives Matter movement and the George Floyd uprising, uh, there were times where the voices and faces of, of black, queer, trans, uh, and, and non-conforming uh, people were being ignored. And we wanted to uh, create an episode that centered everyone. So I uh, interviewed Laverne Cox and Delon Burnside from Pose and George Johnson, uh, who was 
a phenomenal author and writer who also started kind of started his career at the Grio. And um, we talked about representation and, and centering Black queer lives. And um, I was really proud of that episode because I helped produce that episode. And it was kind of like a brainchild of mine to kind of merge um, the, all of these things that were happening uh, in 2020. Uh, but there's so many memorable uh, memories. Uh, but when we first started it, it was kind of uh, scary. You know, I'm used to being a, a, a journalist. And uh, so I always hid behind the byline. I just, I just give you the news. <laughs> and so uh, their culture became like this platform for me to actually uh, use my voice, to find my voice, to use my voice. To, um, and, you know, it's not easy sharing your opinion about what's happening in news and entertainment. And it took some getting used to. I'm still not all the way comfortable sharing because especially really? now, especially now being in the world of politics, uh, I think it's really important to be mindful of things that you say. Uh, but one thing that I was proud of, not only finding my voice and using my voice was being vulnerable. And I think that that's something I would really want uh, you, Panama, to continue to do uh, because we we talked about things like we talked about our personal lives a lot. And I know that you do that in your writing, talking about your family and your children. And right. I would, you know, just encourage you to do that more because what we found is that when you share, when you wear your heart on your sleeve and you share your true experiences, you find that people can really relate to that. And so many people would reach out and say, thank you for saying that. Um, because it, it affirms people and makes them feel seen and heard. Um, we share things about our love lives. Um, I shared uh, uh, a very heavy topic about being sexually abused as a, a child. And these are things that are not always easy to share. Uh, it takes a lot of courage and strength to do. But it's also important because, again, um, there, there's someone who might have walked that same life and, and may need to be encouraged. And so uh, Dear Culture is not just about, yeah, it's about, you know, um, talking about the culture in, in ways that are funny um, and provocative, but also uh, talking about the very real things that make up the Black experience. And we know that the Black experience is not monolithic. Um, and so um, I think that that's what makes Dear, Dear Culture so special. It's interesting to hear you say that it was hard to share parts of yourself because when I listen to those episodes, I don't get that at all. Like, in fact, I always felt like I was like, man, they are really giving a lot of who they are mm -hmm. in the episodes that I listen to, especially. And I think I'm, I, I remember listening to one about talking about being sexually abused and things like that. I'm just like, wow, this is really this is really mm -hmm. deep. And it made me wonder, um, like, I can't imagine when you all started this, that's where you thought you would be going with it. But obviously, these things morph over time, right? You know, the 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 goals, how they start. You remember you said that it was going to start like as a rotating, uh, a rotating host kind of thing, and then it was settled on you and Shauna, and then you all you all start getting into really in depth topics and really and, and really going there with them in a way that I felt was very informative, very educational, um, but vulnerable in a way that I don't really hear on a ton of podcasts that I've listened to, especially that center blackness in all facets of the black experience. So, you know, was that one of the things that you're most proud of? Like, if you had to say, like, what are you most proud of about what you all were able to do with your culture? Cause in my mind, it's not to answer for you, but in my mind, like that's, I am proud to listen to what you all did with it just because of where you all were able to go and the conversations you all were able to land. But for you, what, were the things that you're most proud of that you all accomplished? 
first, thank you for that, uh, Panama. You never really know what um, the work that you do and the words your words can do and, and how it will be received. Um, but yeah, I was I was incredibly terrified to to share those vulnerable parts of myself um, because the reality is that you know I, I can speak as a black queer person. Um, it's still a struggle uh, to be out. We see these waves of bills being uh, passed in states like Florida that are targeting uh, uh, LGBTQ youth. Um, and while you know, sometimes I wonder like, what's harder, being in the closet or being out and then being targeted through you know all these laws being passed right now, and it's not easy. Um, but I would say I am proud of of that vulnerability and and kind of like uh, revealing the true parts of myself that you know I don't always share. You know, there were times I said things on this show that I didn't even share with my own family, and. And you know, I, it wasn't always part of the plan. It was really because um, I we could not talk about we could not talk to the culture and not be authentic. One thing you know about Black people is that we know authenticity. And so uh, I, I tried to you know kind of uh, hold back initially in in the early parts of Dear Culture. And then after a while, I was like, listen, if we're going to do this, we got to do this right. We have to like really be real. Um, I think that that is what audiences really want. You know, no one wants to hear the sugar coated version of our lives. And we all know that while, you know, you might see us on the gram posting, you know, I post pictures in the White House press briefing room and and it looks cool. But the reality is that I'm a human being who also struggles and has insecurities and can also deal with imposter syndrome. And so we decided to share that. Like, why not share that with our audience? Because if we are experiencing that and we are in the and privileged to be in these spaces, then I'm sure that there are other people who are experiencing that too. And their and their walks of life, even if they're not in media, you might be a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor. And you might also be dealing with these same struggles. And so I was proud of that because um, uh, it was able to to kind of break down that wall because we're all really the same, even though we're very different, if you know what I mean. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a real quick break here and we'll be right back more with Jaron as we talk about Dear Culture past and future here on uh, Dear Culture. Hello, I'm world-famous YP politist Michael Harriet and the host of the brand new podcast, The Griot Daily, on The Griot's Black Podcast Network. Join us every day as we get to the nitty-gritty of everything going on in the world. It's like a mix of critical thinking, news, and some blackness as the season salt. We'll be everywhere you find your podcast starting in June and... As always, tell your mom and them I said, hey. All right, we're back here on Dear Culture. Uh, I'm Panama Jackson, and I'm joined by uh, Jaron Gaynor, Jaron Keith Gaynor. I always notice every time you introduce yourself, you have all three names, so I want to make sure I get get a brother's name right, my Morehouse you gotta, brother. You got you to gotta get that. The branding got to be right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Fam, the branding has to be right. And I'm glad, you know, it's funny, I'm glad you said that because 
one of the things that I think you all done, you you and Shauna did really well with Dear Culture was kind of create a brand around what Dear Culture meant. Like you had a, a bunch of episodes. You all had a very clear aesthetic. You all understood the assignment and I received it. I got what was happening. So the question I have here is, why do you think it's important for a podcast like Dear Culture to exist in the first place? That's a good question. You know, uh, Dear Culture should should exist because, um, you know, there are a ton of podcasts nowadays um, that speak to many different types of experiences. And Dear Culture was initially designed to talk to black millennials. Um, and, and then it kind of just evolved into, uh, this, again, this like love letter to black culture and our podcast, because it is a part of the Grio is that it's black owned. And we know we have a lot of podcast platforms. We have a lot of black media, very few of them are black owned. And there was a, there's a sense of freedom that comes with that because we don't have to, we're not beholden to uh, this like white corporate structure, um, you know, with the exception of maybe a few curse words. You know, Shauna and I were able to kind of say exactly what we meant whenever we wanted to say it, however we, we wanted to say it. I think for Dear Culture fans, uh, they know that Shauna was more of the uh, the one who had uh, more of more expressive <laughs> than than I, we we communicated very differently. Um, but I think it worked out so beautifully because we were so different. We always said that you know we were the we were the yin and yang to each other. Um, you know she was the fire and I was um, kind of like the water, and and we kind of like. Um, we worked so well together. You know, initially I didn't know if that, if it would work. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not like Shauna. I'm not, you know, my, my anger shows differently. Um, And, uh, but it ended up being like this beautiful um, partnership. And I think that, that while we are heading into a new um, era of Dear Culture, the mission is obviously the same. Um, which is to be a voice for the culture, but but doing it authentically. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that other podcasts aim for that same thing. But I think that Dear Culture is really special. And, and honestly, I mean, like, the title is just really cool, isn't it? It is such a cool title, bro. Let me tell you, when when I when I joined the Grio back in January and I came on, uh, the plan was to do a podcast. And then eventually over time, that's how we even ended up here, you know, um, I realized that you and Shauna both had a million things on your plates, right? The idea of, of perhaps moving out of the space, it was like, I guess the timing kind of lined up. And I remember talking, I was like, I mean, that you can't lose a, a, a name as good as Dear Culture for a podcast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, conversations were had that I was like, you know, I kind of want, I want to talk to them and see if they'd be okay, you know, if what I'm hearing is true, that they are ready to kind of move on to different spaces that perhaps I can step in here so that we can have some continuity because we cannot lose that essence, that ethos of what you all brought to the table so far, mm-hmm. even if, you know, my own, my own aesthetic is going to be different, right? Like, you know, the way that I approach conversations is going to be very much in the vein of how I tend to write my articles and stuff like that. Um, but all the point is, it's all very much about the culture. It's it's mm-hmm. all about speaking to the culture. It's about black culture and making sure that, you know, the conversations that we have in the culture have a place to shine, you know, and not just mm-hmm. in a way that it's just asking a question, but actually having a real conversation about it. And, you know, 
this kind of leads into something that I was so there's a segment that we're going to do you know we're going to have these conversations but there's this segment that I'm going to do with black fashion randomly did this one night on Facebook it was like a Friday night I was bored and I was like you know I think I just mentioned something I don't even remember what I said I just called it a black fashion and I got like a thousand comments on this thing like immediately it hit Twitter it was the craziest wow. thing I'm like boy y'all really got a lot on y'all souls y'all need to get off apparently people been holding on to some things I was like you know that'd be a fun thing to do with guests so it's like I'm going to introduce black fashions and and we tell the guests that and thus far everybody has sent me their black fashions in advance and you did the same thing and you put something that i'm finding so dumbfounded <laughs> but it's more that proof that we are not monolithic so please brother my good brother my morehouse brother <laughs> my brother who spent time in the a what was you you said you had two things but the first one is the one that stands out to me what was your black fashion so my black fashion is that take your time uh i don't like sweet tea and i don't think it's sweet i think it's bitter i don't even understand sorry. This. I, this is this is almost this is not quite on par with the sugar versus salt grits debate you know what i'm saying <laughs> but how did you how did you discover that you do not like sweet tea because i don't understand i'm a southerner by the way like i'm a southerner where you you overdo the sugar right you put as much you start with the sugar then you add the drink to it you know what i'm saying you you don't you don't just add sugar to your drink how did you make this discovery that you don't do sweet tea? And how much you know, reliability has it been in your life? Well, I am not Southern. However, my family does come from the South. You know, my grandparents on both sides are from North and South Carolina, but okay. I am born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And so I am a city boy and there wasn't sweet tea in New York. It wasn't a thing until I moved to Atlanta for college at Morehouse. And everyone's talking about sweet tea and how good sweet tea is. And honestly, when people were talking about sweet tea, I thought that they were talking about iced tea. Because in my family, my, my dad would make, and my mom, they would make, you know, like the prepared, uh, like the powder from, uh, I don't know what yeah. brand it was, but they would get it from like Costco. And they would put a ton of sugar in it. And it was sweet. It was very sweet. And it was so good. I would have it with all of my dinner. And then I moved to Atlanta, everyone's talking about sweet tea. And I'm thinking that that's what sweet tea is. And I drink it and, you know, yeah, there was sugar in it, but it was, it tasted bitter. Like I just, whether it was McDonald's or whether it was like Busy Bee in Atlanta. Did you, you, go, know, did I, you get Miss Winners? Did you get Miss Winners sweet I tea? I didn't have Miss Winners oh. sweet tea. But I just could not, I just couldn't get into it. I just really couldn't. Iced tea, at my version of iced tea when I was a kid, that was sweet to me. Um, That's so, so yeah, I'm just not a fan. Sorry. That cut me deep when I saw that. <laughs> Even more so than the second thing that you added, which was that you haven't seen any of the Friday movies. Was that, was that correct? Or was it the sequels? So correct i so you know when like you you know when a movie is so popular especially in black culture yes. that you know it's referenced all the time so yes. i've seen many scenes from friday and but i don't remember ever sitting down and watching a friday movie from beginning to end I, you know I, I am 33 years old so i was a little young when it first came out and, you know, I did grow up in a household where my parents were kind of like policing what I watched. And so maybe that played a role in it. But I've never really watched Friday before. You know, I think uh, I think I think about the famous scenes from like on the porch on the porch with um, uh, Chris Tucker and Ice Cube. But 
I've never watched it. I don't plan to watch it. Um, I'm sure that it's one funny. Doesn't hit me, yeah, yeah. But that one doesn't I hit pre- me the same way as the sweet tea one because I could understand age. Like I when when Friday came out, I was 16, 15 or sixteen. Mm. I had to watch it. I was you were coming of age. Conversation. You were coming of age at that time, so that makes sense that you you know you would watch yes. it. I was a little younger, so. And if I didn't see it, I was effectively going to be out of the conversations about it, right? Like, you know, we would mm. we had the VHS tapes. We would watch it and rewind it. Like, that was the thing we would sneak to watch because if your parents saw what you were watching, they'd be like, what is this kind of thing? But, you know, <laughs> then they would watch it too. Um, uh, so, yeah, this is uh, – thank you for sharing. This is your most vulnerable moment as far as I'm concerned because admit, admitting you don't Listen, like sweet tea. Because if y'all try to uh, revoke my black card – uh, I'm going to be really heartbroken because I'm I'm very black. I'm from Bed Stuy. I went to Morehouse. I'm black. But yeah, yeah. your card is stamped. It's just got, <laughs> we just got some questions. But you know, but the, the fun thing about doing black fashions of this sort is that you find out so much stuff about people and these individual parts of blackness that we kind of all assume we all share, and then you find out no, like there's a huge amount of people that don't. Right? Like that's the fun part about it. Like just learning about how different blackness can be no matter where you're from, no matter how you grew up, no matter your entryway into certain parts of it. It's just like, we all have our things. And I think that's what makes it fun and interesting and why that whole blacks are not a monolith thing is so vital to every conversation we have about blackness. Amen. Um, the other thing that we do is a black recommendation, which is a recommendation about something by for about blackness, black people centering blackness in some way, shape or form. And do you have a black recommendation? Absolutely. Uh, shameless plug. First, uh, support black media, uh, specifically black owned media and specifically the GRIO. Uh, I really encourage everyone to continue to support the GRIO um, and really engage our stories, not just read them, but share them. Um, I think that the work that we're doing is um, really important, especially the work that we're that I'm doing with April uh, in the DC Bureau. Again, we are the only uh, black media, black owned media in that space. And we're, we're, we're tackling really important issues like uh, the, the impact of student debt on black communities, um, cannabis uh, reform, uh, racial bias in housing. And there's just so many issues across the board that, um, that we are challenging the Biden-Harris administration to address. They've made pledges to you know, really center racial equity and address uh, the historical inequities that have played not just black communities, but Latino communities. Um, and so I really want uh, the culture to support that because we only win when, uh, when we are supported. And then also download the GRIO's app uh, yes, we have an app, so you can read the Grio on thegrio.com, but you can also download the app, which I think is actually a more cooler way to read our stories. I think it's a really great interface. Um, you can stream uh, video content. We're going to have like original content. We're going to be licensing content. Um, it's a really great app. Like I, if I did not work for the Grio. I would still feel the same way about this app. I, you know, some apps are just really cheaply made and just kind of thrown together. There was a lot of thought and intention with this app. Um, and, but yeah, I think overall, just 
support the griot because you know whenever we see black legacy uh media companies falter or fold we go oh we, we there's all this collective outrage um when we had the opportunity to support them and so i just want to reiterate you know that our success uh lies in support from our community because we're doing it for you um and it's for us and by us absolutely well look jaron i appreciate you i appreciate the vote of confidence and me taking over the mantle of what you and shauna built with your culture uh i look forward to making you all proud and ensuring that the legacy of what you all built has has the foundation is strong and it will allow, you know, whatever we're going to do going forward to, you know, be viewed in the same vein with the same amount of respect and appreciation. Uh, so thank you for everything that you have done. You know, hopefully we can get you on an episode every so often, you know, maybe not too frequently. You got a lot of things going on, <laughs> but on occasion. Um, but, you know, thank you. And for all the listeners out there, you know, welcome to welcome back to Dear Culture. Welcome back to to a podcast that you know and love. We're going to have some fun. We're going to do some fun things. And, you know, we're going to you're going to enjoy it the same way you used to, just maybe in a different way. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we just we thank you all for 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 sticking around. We thank you all for listening. We thank you all for participating and engaging. Um, and if you enjoy what you've heard, make sure you give us a five star rating on uh Wherever you rate your podcast, on Apple Podcasts, uh, check us out on Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you get your podcast. And like Jaren said, make sure you check out that Grio app. It's an amazing app. Like, I'm actually impressed by this app. Uh, I use it. I watch movies on it. I watch very black movies on this app. There are lots of very black movies, and I mean that in the blackest way possible <laughs> on this app. Uh, Dear Culture is now hosted by me, Panama Jackson, and produced by Crystal Grant. And technical production by Cameron Blackwell. Make sure you check us out. Listen. Have a black one. I made this statement that I think Janet's albums, that four album run to be specific, is better than Mike's four album run. Okay. We're going to get into this. What was your first thought when I said, when, 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 when we reached out to you and said, hey, we want to have this conversation with you, what is your first thought when I make that statement? My first thought was, let's not even do the podcast. Let's get on the phone now and settle it. <laughs> so you think I'm wrong. Am I wrong or am I right? Where am I at on this? <laughs> if I agreed with you, I wouldn't be on this podcast. <laughs>